Good morning everybody. Let's start our meditation practice. Uh, please find your comfortable and relaxed posture. Keep your back straight as much as you can and gently close your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths and relax your whole part of your body. Relax your mind. Breathe in deeply. Breathe out softly. Please do it few times. It's helpful to relax your whole body. Observe all the different parts of your body individually from the top of your head to the tip of your toes and see if they are relaxed, free from tension or strain. Breathe in deeply. Breathe out softly. Relax. 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 Let's practice loving-kindness meditation. Think to yourself, may I be well, may I be happy, may I be peaceful. Understand the meaning of each words deeply and clearly and repeat them to yourself. Be loving and kind person to yourself. May I be well, may I be happy, may I be peaceful.
practicing self-love, self-compassion, self-loving-kindness is greatest way to heal ourselves within. Send your loving thoughts towards to yourself. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be filled with loving kindness. If you become truly loving and kind person to yourself, it's much easier to love others. Feel peaceful and loving thoughts to yourself. May I be healthy, may I be content, may I be at ease. May I be peaceful. May I be filled with loving-kindness. Now send your loving thoughts towards your family, your friends and your loved ones. Even though difficult people, imagine your family, friends and loved ones. May my parents, husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, the best friend, close friends, children, grandchildren, your best friend, brothers, sisters, your pets. May all my family, friends and loved ones be well, be happy, be peaceful. May they be filled with loving-kindness.
if you have any difficult time with someone or difficult people in this moment it could be one of your family member whoever without separating them send your loving thoughts may all my family friends and loved ones be healthy be content be patient may they be filled with loving kindness now extend all of your loving kindness and compassionate thoughts to all the world in this world so many people are suffering mentally and physically some people are in danger fear anger hatred sickness some people they don't have basic needs some are they don't have family friends in this moment we couldn't help them physically but we can send our loving thoughts we can wish to them and bless to them may all living beings be well be happy be may they be filled with loving kindness may all living beings be healthy be content be patient may they be filled with loving kindness may they be able to take care of themselves happily now with your loving awareness slowly turn your attention to your subtle sensation of the breath we can practice mindfulness breathing meditation if you want to change your posture any time 
you can change your posture. Do it mindfully and slowly. Be kind to your body. Keep your back straight. It's very helpful to breathe. No need to control your breathing. Send attention to the tip of your nose. Breathe in mindfully. Breathe out mindfully. If you are having thoughts, don't worry, that's our mind's nature. Don't try to push them away. Let them come and go or let them be. It could be sound, emotion, feelings. understand about this moment in this present moment you are spend time with yourself focusing your natural ordinary breath being mindful about each moment breathe in mindfully breathe out mindfully.
while you are mindfully and aware about in and out breath you may experience long breaths in and out short breaths in and out just understand and mindful about i am having long breaths and short breath being mindful about each breath breathe in mindfully breathe out mindfully this moment is wonderful moment most important moment because in this present moment you are being aware about yourself being mindful about your breath breath mean life being grateful for your practice your dedication 
make a strong determination to live your breath live with your breath being mindful in each moment please bring your palms together in front of your heart make a strong determination to practice this meditation every day at least 5 10 minutes may peace be with you may all living beings be well be happy be peaceful Thank you very much. Slowly open your eyes. Let's do our chanting practice. Um, if you like, would like to chant, you can you can chant with the group. Maybe so many new people are here. Uh, there are no rules. Uh, uh, if you would like to listen to chanting. that's fine or uh, you can keep continue your practice it's chanting helpful to uh, calm down your mind and uh, it's a part of practice uh, let's chant uh, page number 4 namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arhato ಸಮ್ಮಸಂಬುಧಾಮಿ ಗಚ್ಛಾಮಿ ದ್ಯಾಮ್ಮಾಚ್ಛಾಮಿ ದ್ಯಾಮ್ಮಾಚ್ಛಾಮಿ ತಾತೆಯಾಮಿ 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 ಅನೇಚಾವತ ಸಂಕಾರ ಉಪಾದಯದೋ ಉಪಜಿತ್ವಾಜ್ಯಂತೆಸೋ ಸೇರಾಂತು ಸೇ ಸತ್ತ 
ಅವ್ಯಾಪಚ್ಚಂತು ಸಭೆ ಸನೀಗಂತು ಸಭೆ ಸುಖೀಯತ್ತಾನಂತು ಮನೋಪುಂಗಮ ಮನೋಷ್ಠನೋಮಯ ಮನಸಾಚೆ ಪದುಟೇನ ಭಾಸತಿ ಕರೋತಿ ತುಖ ಮಾನ್ವೇತಿ ಚಕ್ಕಾಂಗಪದ ಮನೋಪುಂಗಮದ ಮನೋಷ್ಠನೋಮಯ ಮನಸಾಚೆ ಪಸನ್ನ ಸತಿ ಕರೋತಿ ತುಖಮೇತಿ ಚಾಯಪಾಯಿ We believe morning everybody hope you have a wonderful morning uh, today we have a le sanga dhamma talk erring uh, thing she's she's a wonderful friend to us and also uh, she's long time sangha mem- uh, sangha member and also uh, she's one of our blue lotus temple board member and she's doing uh, amazing work to help and keep this place run and uh, yeah this is your time eri how is this uh, ironically i'm going to be talking about right speech so um okay um yes my name is erin dank 
And um, I've been attending, whoops, I've been attending uh, meditation here for probably almost 20 years. So when Bhante, I suppose, first came to the Unitarian Church here and then started doing meditation. Um, so it's all, and I'm also part of the board of uh, Blue Lotus Temple. So it's always, though, with great humility and honor that I'm able to stand up here and speak. Um, usually, um, we have the monastics who provide the Dhamma lessons and talk after meditation. Once in a while, those of us that are part of the Sangha um, can come up here. So, um, so yes, yeah. so I'm going to talk about um, my ideas of right speech. Um, and as always, um, none of you have to agree with this at all. <laughs> it's just my opinion. Um, and I will try to do justice as well to what the Buddha has taught about right speech. So I'm going to begin. The Buddha's primary teaching of the Four Noble Truths provides a guide in accepting, understanding, and letting go of suffering in our lives. The last of the Noble Truths, the path to liberation, is the Noble Eightfold Path. Today, I am going to focus on right speech, which is considered part of the moral discipline portion of the path. Buddha gave humans the Eightfold Path as a guide towards reaching freedom from the chains of suffering and embracing peace, harmony, and compassion in all that we do. So I come from Louisiana, and my family is a mixture of Louisiana Cajun and East Texas Welsh. I was surrounded by words that took the form of stories about everything. Everything was a story. How are y'all doing? Well, let me tell you a story. Words indirectly expressed how I felt or how you would feel. So my great-grandmother was speaking Cajun. I really never understood what she said, but she would tell me, say, c'est bon, which meant that's good. Or my grandmother would say, bless your heart, which, if y'all know, doesn't necessarily mean a nice thing. There were also times when you were allowed to speak in public. Um, some of us of a certain generation, at the dinner table, you were seen and not heard. Um, and as well as being brought up in that environment for women, there was proper speech. So you did not say words of anger. You didn't say words of swearing, because it wasn't ladylike. I later learned how to speak my truth in therapy, and then in my clinical training as an art therapist. I learned about reflective speech, trauma-informed speech, relational or feminist speech, and diversity and culturally sensitive speech. In this Dhamma talk, I propose the necessity of right speech and its sister, right listening, in creating authentic and sacred space in our relationships. No matter who we are interacting with, this practice opens doors to compassion rather than conflict and love rather than hate, even if you both disagree. In all my years of working with people and in my personal life, I have witnessed the power of stopping to listen and then the ability to be heard, the mutuality of being heard. Right speech is a mindful practice which involves greater awareness of our body, our mind, and emotions. Mindfulness and its active self-awareness makes it easier to recognize what we are about to say and offers us the freedom to choose what we say. The, the Buddha divided right speech into four components that we work on daily. Number one, to abstain from false speech, which would be lying in any form, for example, lying by omission, so keeping out the truth. Number two, abstaining from slanderous speech, speech which is intended to create conflict, injurious to a person's reputation, or hate speech. And number three, abstaining from harsh or hateful speech, speech that is uttered in, in anger and intended to cause the hearer pain, insult, as well as sarcasm is included in this. And then finally, abstaining from idle chatter, which would be gossip. Speech should be aimed at benefiting the individual and society, according to the Buddha. This leads us to what the Buddha emphasized as important aspects in right speech as right listening and silence. The Buddha believed that if your speech is not useful and beneficial, it is better to remain silent. He believed that there was a close link between silence and truth. In right listening, we are called to see speech as not just our speech, but communication that happens between people, 
Thich Nhat Hanh said deep listening is the foundation of right speech. If we cannot listen mindfully, we cannot practice right speech. No matter what we say, it can never be mindful because we will be speaking only our own ideas and not in response to the other person. So how do we listen? The Buddha focused on listening profoundly, which includes the whole heart, complete presence and focus to the words of the speaker and being totally in the present moment while putting aside our egos and actually truly listening. To speak is to express words that carry certain meanings and to listen is to be conscious of the words that are spoken. My words can assert my truth in such a way that I will not intentionally hurt but teach. And I like to call this compassionate confrontation. And if the other person doesn't respond as I had hoped, I can restate my truth to them. I can resolve to just let go of my need to be heard by them, or I may just try to practice silence. Um, Gil Fransdahl, so I don't know if you know him, but he's part of the Insight Meditation group. He does um, many podcasts. And this is his, um, these are his thoughts about when um, you're not sure of the Buddhist guidelines. So he says to speak, um, so there's four aspects that the Buddha talks about as far as how to speak. So to speak at the appropriate time, to speak honestly, to speak politely, to speak what is beneficial, to speak with goodwill. So Franz Dahl says it is best to avoid speaking at a time when it, when it cannot be understood or when it is not useful for the person to whom we are speaking. Even if it is something true and important, it is best to wait for the appropriate situation to say it. Dishonesty takes us in the opposite direction than a path to liberation. Because the goal is to become truthful and authentic in all we do, dishonesty blocks the path to the goal. Honesty, in contrast, is mindfulness out loud. When done together with the other five guidelines, honesty creates trust and ease in everyone. Politeness, respectful speech that expresses respect for others. Instead of demeaning or belittling others, polite speech enhances the dignity of both the person spoken to and the speaker. Speaking only what is beneficial saves a lot of time and effort. Not only does it free us from having to say things that have no value or useful purpose, it also frees us from having to make amends for speech that is not beneficial or brings pain. Speaking with goodwill means to speak in way of others. Without goodwill, the heart will remain closed or numb. With goodwill, our speech supports the continuing opining of our hearts. This is very hard. The reality is humans, at least especially in our country, tend to dissociate from themselves and are quite unaware of their bodies or even what they say. Speech can be used as a weapon and sometimes as a lotion to control others in order for us to get what we want. The space between people can be muddled with fear and anger, but mostly fear. How can you be authentic if you don't feel safe? So here are some questions and thoughts I ask myself and I offer to all of you in navigating between authenticity, truth, and the uncertainty of how others will respond or react to you. And again, these are just my opinions. But things to ask, am I listening but not hearing? So this is about when you're with somebody or even here. What are the hindrances or barriers that prevent me from listening to you? When I hear you talk, who do I see? Who do I hear? How would you describe the space between you and I? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Is it safe? What is the origin of my speech? Is it coming from fear, anger, sadness, hate, hurt? Am I crossing a boundary with my words, crossing over into the other person's personal, emotional, cognitive, spiritual, psychological space? Am I projecting my story onto another? 
Does my speech match my actions? And how does my body feel when I speak to you or listen to you? Before I speak, do I need to take a breath, pause, and then speak? In other words, practicing self-control rather than just blurting out anything. Sacred space doesn't mean that it is all angelic, incense, and pure. To mean it means there is mutuality, equanimity, and respect, despite differences in individual stories. Here lies how I see the practice of right speech, as laying the seeds for the sacred space that will then connect to the other aspects of the Eightfold Path, for example, right action. Mindfulness or active awareness slowly helps us see and hear truth. It removes the handheld mirror or the wall we hold up around us and allows us to be authentic human beings. Imagine how the world would be, uh, or our life would be, if right speech and right listening defined our relationships. And that's all. <laughs> Thank you. Does anyone have any comments or questions for me or complaints or? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Could you say a little more about um, our speech intruding on another person's space? Um, you said something about that, and I'm curious to... Like a boundary type of yeah, thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being, being respectful um, of, of someone else's um, um, space, but also um, uh, engaging in a meaningful way. Yes, I think, um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is sometimes... Um, and I've been told this, sometimes I've even said this, if you're in a conversation with someone and there's like a difference of opinion or maybe diff- or different beliefs, um, and you say something like, well, that's, you can't believe that, or that's wrong. You know, so when a person states their belief about something or their opinion, um, and we jump to say it's wrong, or you can't believe that, or you shouldn't believe that. You know, we use the words like should, um, this is where kind of the psychology comes into play, is being mindful of that's a boundary. It's a psychological boundary. It can be a spiritual boundary where you're telling someone how they should believe or what they should feel, that type of thing. And it's very subtle, you know, I think we do it a lot. I think we do, and we don't even know it, you know. Um, So that's an example. Um, Sometimes, too, just um, it can be also verbal but also nonverbal where you're kind of talking over someone. You don't let someone finish what they're saying Um, because, again, we're so anxious to say what we want to say, you know, so that can be crossing a boundary. Um, Making assumptions about a person. Um, Oh, well, you go to the Buddhist temple, therefore you're blah, 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 right? You know, we've all probably experienced that as well. Um, Yeah. Things like that. Does that help? Yeah. Is that what you? Okay. Yeah. Eric, is the perennial question about white lies. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, yes. If you were to ask me, do I have a beautiful woman? I have to tell a white lie. Mm-hmm. I would. Um, so, is it okay to agree with someone even uh, when you're saying that? So, you mean um, to agree with another person if you're. Right. When you know it's not really true. Yeah, that's like the bless your heart statement in a way, right? <laughs> that's what we learned in the South. Um, Gus, did you want to say? Yeah, I, um, I wanted to react to something that you said in the Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I think, um, yeah, skillful. Um, and I think even um, Gil Fonsdahl may have said that I think the Buddha even used the words is about, you know, be your speech being beneficial to that person. 
So if you know something about that person, or maybe not even, you're going to know to say, if this person is saying something about themselves, and you know, well, it's not quite true, um, how, is, how is you disagreeing with them going to help the situation? And I guess for me, it always goes back to the space between human beings, between us. I don't even have to know a person. But if this person is saying, oh, I look fabulous today, and I'm thinking, oh, man, you look like a hot mess, I'm not, that's going to create conflict, right? Now, there are sometimes some of us where we are like, that's what we may do. There are people that like to be in conflict, right? Um, and create that for whatever reason, you know? Um, so that's what they do. But, you know, even that person can learn to step back and think, how is this really helping me to create conflict and disagree, as well as to be right? Is it so important that I'm right? <laughs> you know, this person is living their life and going about thinking they're fabulous, you know? Um, do I need to challenge that, really? You know, is it my job? You know, there's another phrase like, it's not my rodeo. So is it really my job to go around and correct how people look or how they act? But I think it is really looking at how is what I say, and again, this is very hard, how what I say is going to have an impact on the space between, the space between. You know, certainly if you have um, a close relationship with someone, you know, or spouse or whoever, family member, you may be able to give that kind of feedback. But even that, I mean, there's things I don't always tell my husband. <laughs> you know, so because I, I'm conscious of the quality of my relationship, I guess, which in my 20s I wasn't. I just blurt out stupid stuff. But, um, but now I think, I think about it. I don't know, does that help? Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome to. Yes. Yes. And you tell them, yeah, yeah, but they don't do it. So you have, I think it talks about skillful, skillful means. And you use skillful means to get them out of the house. Mm. And in that example, it talks about how it, how um, the person could say, hey, there's diamonds full of treasure outside. Let's go outside. Yeah. And then I think later it talks about how you should probably provide that too, so you're not like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to make an example for it. But, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm a mother that Yes. And like, for example, when you were really little, I would tell them, you came from the stars. You chose me. And like, you know, yeah. they know that, you know, they didn't fall because she knew stars. But yeah, they, yeah. they also, like, want to accept that story. Mm -hmm. So like, they go along with it. And I think that it's not about why, it's about what story you want to tell. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a story is the way, you know, a tall tale isn't always the truth, but you usually know. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Exactly. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's just like someone has a vibe like that. You don't want to ruin it, but at the same time, like yeah, that like authenticity. Mm -hmm. How much of a story do I want to tell? You know what I mean? I really appreciate the story because I, actually, I mean, when you look at the Buddha the teachings, they're what? They're stories. Yeah. They're all metaphor. Jesus. Jesus spoke in stories, parables, because that was the way to educate and communicate to all people in a way that they could understand. And so storytelling, even in other traditions, Native American story is a primary method of communication, and stories are actually seen as quite sacred. So I really appreciate what you're saying, because that is a way, you're not lying, you're not being manipulative, but you're trying to speak in a language that maybe the other person can appreciate, right? Or they can understand. And yeah. even with children. It takes you the personal out of it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Oh my, yeah. Um, well, I can say, I mean, as a therapist, I've done a lot of work with with people, and and um, I would, I think, most of us as human beings, while we may not have an official diagnosis, I think we've all had some kind of wound or trauma, right? Something that we've experienced in our life, and so that that sore space in there, if it doesn't find a way to let itself known you know, in a healthy way. So whether that's talking about it, writing about it, you know, writing can be another form of right speech. In a way, writing um, is a way to find your speech, you know. Um, but I think that the, the wounding can um, make, if you don't work on it some way, to heal it. And that may even be, you know, when you come here for meditation, Wounds can be healed through your body just by sitting here and breathing. But the point is, is to find a way to heal that, to allow that wounding to take form, whether it's coming out in words or visually or what, however that is. Um, and then learning how to find your words, you know, to find your words. Um, again, not the words of other people, not the words maybe that you were told as a child um, that hurt you, but words, your words, you know? I know telling my grandson, right, use your words, he's, he's five, use your words, right? Um, and even as adults, we still struggle with that, finding my words. So that's how you slowly start learning how to heal some of that. But it's a really long process, and even what we're talking about, and I. I mean, Bhante, Amita may correct me, but I think, um, you know, the Buddha, I mean, this is the Eightfold Path takes, like, your lifetime, right, to be able to, to learn these things or master these aspects, right? It's not supposed to happen overnight. <laughs> At least I hope not. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think that it's... Um, um, it's not. It's it's healing wounds and so forth um, involves not just talking, but a lot of different other aspects of your life and finding a way to express that. You know. And how about Yeah. Well, that, right, right. And I think sometimes, you know, that's why this kind of um, what we're doing here um, or finding people that you are close to to practice what is right speech, you know, learning. What does that mean? But I also think it really comes from inside of us, understanding what, are, what is my truth, what is my speech, what are the words I say. Because, you know, if we can't speak with right speech to ourselves, <laughs> how are we going to be able to speak that to other people, you know? And so... Um, yeah, learning and practicing what sounds authentic. Um, I think it's probably time, right? So I appreciate all of your questions very much. Thank you so much for letting me share my thoughts.